Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever it is that you are in the world. Thank you so much for showing up to Living Your Juiciest Life Ever, where we have amazing conversations with a broad variety of people that have come from different places of could be self-loathing to self-love, self-less to self-full, self-denial to self-appreciation, wherever that might be, to stepping into a place of living from that juicy life, putting their own oxygen mask on first to serve the world so they can come from a place of fullness. And today I am so honored and pleased to welcome my guest today. And her name is Rara. I'm actually going to say it from that point because that's how I was introduced to her. And Rara is such an appropriate word. And, I, and she's, she'll probably touch on where it came from. But if you think about the word Rara, right? When someone's rah-rahing for you, well, that's the essence of who it is that she is. In that place of gratitude and encouragement, she really stands into that space of support and love and rara. So the rest of her name, Catherine Rara Acero Myers. <laughs> Say that again really fast. And she is a native New Yorker born in Brooklyn who loves everything about the big city. She is an audacious storyteller and an advocate of the virtual economy. For over three decades, Rara has been living in Canada, raising her family, and devoting her time to building her networks, strategic alliances in Canada and worldwide. She has been a global mover and shaker for over a decade, two decades probably, I would say even more so. And she's done a huge variety of different things. And so all of her skill sets that she's accumulated over the time, she brings back to serving her clients and helping them to up the ante, up their visibility, and up the production into radical uh, income producing ideas and goals. So she's developed her market in real estate while living in New York City. And she studied psychology, fitness, nutrition, lifestyle business strategizing while living in Montreal and new business developments with her companies as an integral part of her 10-year plan. This is a woman you definitely need to take some time in connecting with. She is skilled and experienced at speaking, presenting, coaching, team building, podcasting, business etiquette, and relationship marketing. And these are some of the skills that Rara is passionate about and extremely professional and experienced. The key businesses that have Catherine's personal participation and partnership are Brooklyn Heights, The Bridge, Gratitude Girls, BU Network, and her Send Out Cards Team Gratitude, which she is the perfect fit for her because again, from her state of gratitude, she builds everything. She's been a Rotarian since August of 2014. She serves her community in Niagara as a member with her heart in service above self. Appointed as one of the few selected directory, director at Rotary Club of St. Catharines and co-chair of membership committee, Rara is communicating with businesses and the members of the community on strategic membership growth and long-term engagement. 
Thank you so much, Catherine Rara, for showing up and uh, taking part in our podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you for <laughs> inviting me. It's so great to see you. I feel like we know each other. And now here we are having a conversation, just the two of us, right? It's wonderful. And I just, it's, it, you know, when I was reading all of this, it's like what comes to mind for me is the absolute essential element of self-care. If you're going to give from that big space that you're in. And so that self-care that you've developed over time, if we look back in history, was there a time as you were growing up or becoming a, you know, we're a young adult where that wasn't the case for you. I mean, personal development takes time, right? So, you know, what were you up to at, and what was the space that you were in at that time? Great question, Kate. The way I can answer that is with Lady Gaga's song, I was born this way. I was born with this innate ability and this intuitive ability, knowing that taking care of myself would give me more to give to others. I remember being very young. I was the youngest in my family. I have an older brother and sister, 11 and 12 years older. Mm -hmm. So I got to watch them and I got to watch what they did. And you mimic what you see when you're young, right? So I was in awe of my family. I was in awe of what they did and how they went out and they got dressed and they took care of themselves. And back in those days, you remember the hair, we'd tease it up. And so I was really into that as a very young child and always, I was always attracted to it. And I remember my one of my aunts coming from California, bringing me a little cosmetic case in a mirror. And I was young, like I was probably maybe too young for that. So I was always interested in looking after me because that was the example that I had from my family. And it served me very well because I, thank goodness, I didn't take it to like the other edge, but I took it to that. If I took care of me, I could give back to the people around me. And I let that sit with me for years from meditating to exercise. I think I joined my first spa at 13. I was a twig, but I belonged to a spa. And I went with my girlfriend who was three years older than me, Joan. And I was taking care of myself to that level, like to the, to the level of going out and stepping into the world and, and understanding what it meant to watch personal trainers and watch people in gyms with spas. I, it was great for me. So that personal care was the physical and then the emotional and of course the spiritual. So I believed in it and I walked the walk because my family set those standards for us. Hmm. That's really interesting. So there wasn't, um, so when you first began to do it, I mean, cause, because it comes from the mim the mimicking piece when, uh, when in that process, cause I, I remember the same thing. I was reading, uh, some of your, uh, story and, and so on. And it was, I was, it was bringing me back to reminiscing that you were, you were actually voted as the best dressed in, in high school. And I was too. And so in, at that at, at that time, of course, we always feel better when we feel like we're well put together. It definitely makes a difference. But is there? No, there's also a place where, um, like you said, you you didn't go to the other edge, and the other edge being 
that it was this, uh, the masking, the covering up of perhaps uh, confidence or that you really wanted to be seen. Uh, and, and I'm bringing that up because of something that you said about being locked up until you're 18 years old. Oh gosh, that that's so were, true. Right? It was, it was maybe a little bit younger than that because I lived in a Sicilian, I didn't mean to interrupt you if I did, no, so good, pardon me. Fine. Yes, I lived, I lived in a Sicilian home. So they were very strict. You, you stayed at home. I was best dressed because I got to do my nails and buy clothes and get dressed and do my hair and match my shoes to my nail polish to my purse because that's what you did. You didn't leave the house. You were with your family. So by the time I graduated high school, I had already honed that skill. So I was allowed to do things that were involved with school, the school play, which is where I actually met my first husband. He was in the school play doing something, and I think he was already out of school, but I was allowed to do school-related things. And that's what I meant by locked up because we weren't permitted at those times to go out and just hang out with our friends. Some people were, some of my friends were able to do that, but we weren't, we were able to do things that were structured and that was really acceptable. And I accepted that. But when I did step out of the house, you would think I was going like, where was I going? Because I had all that time to take care of myself. <laughs> there was nothing else for me. I mean, I didn't really have to cook or clean. My mother did that. So I got to take care of myself. <laughs> That's quite incredible. And how many children were you in your family? You said you were the youngest of? Um, three. Of three. And then you got to watch, you got to watch and you got, you got some good things to watch. It wasn't like it was a negative experience. So the relationships as you were growing up, would you say that they were healthy relationships? Well, I thought they were because I was the baby. Yeah. (laughs) And I got treated special. To me, that was healthy. Maybe Mm -hmm. some might call it spoiled, but I thought that was perfectly healthily spoiled. Uh And I had amazing family always around me. I pretty much got whatever I wanted. My needs weren't great, but if I wanted to watch a show or go to a movie with my family, or if I wanted whatever I wanted to do, they were there to serve me. And I was there to serve them. I remember once my mom went to Italy and while she was gone, I cleaned the house and I organized the kitchen. I was 15 or 14 and I stayed home and I made sure that I had everything ready for her because they would give me what I wanted, my emotional and my spiritual needs. They were met. And when you have those needs met, you're not searching. I was not out looking for a way to fill the void. I didn't know that then. I didn't know that's what it was, but I know it now. And I'm just so grateful that I wasn't out there searching for something because that's what I mean about going to the other edge. You know, I walked out of the house looking like I had, you know, where I was going and that could have been misunderstood. And after school, I went home. Yeah. And I love that because there's not a lot of people that, I mean, I think that that's such a great gift, Rara, that gift of having your emotional and your spiritual needs met. That is just so incredible. And how fortunate and how that must have really had a big impact on the amount of gratitude that you've carried through your whole life. It has, you know, we sometimes realize later, I understood it then. Mm -hmm to the degree that I was capable. And now when I look back on it, I look back and say, if only the children of the world could have a piece, a part, 
a small section of what I had when it came to being supported spiritually and emotionally. That doesn't mean that there weren't things that happened that didn't upset me, but I mean, my basic foundation, regardless of what it meant to anyone else, for me, it was right. So some people would not be able to live in that scenario because maybe it was too strict or maybe it had risks involved or maybe it was too much family or maybe it was too many people. But for my needs, it was wonderful. I had everything that I could possibly want and people who loved me all the time. And that helped me to grow up to be really confident because it never ever occurred to me that I was doing something wrong. I always felt so supported. It was to a fault. I was always thinking, well, you know, I'm just walking in there with confidence. You know, there's nothing that I did that made you feel like that. That's your reason. So it really developed in me as a strong bond. Mm-hmm. I'm from New York. So that comes a clear, that comes across very clearly. Mm-hmm. And Part of it is the fact that that family bond was right there. Again, for others, it may not be what they needed. It wasn't the ideal family for everyone, but I wouldn't trade a second of it. That's amazing. So how do you find something that just from from that great uh, piece of story that you shared is that how do you find it is um, from from understanding and having compassion for someone who has not had what you've had. Because very often, I mean, our experiences that we have, we learn from the breakdowns very often, right? Right. To to get to the breakthroughs. So do you find that um, with what it is that you learned as a child, there was also that teaching of compassion and understanding and, and, and all of that? Or how was that for you? Well, in my present day life, my work is to work with people's behavior and their mind in in the bridge. You know, you don't know what you don't know as a child. You don't know that you could live like this when I lived like that. You know what you have and it's okay. And sometimes to, to a fault, right? Sometimes children don't know where the line really is. You have to be either taught or maybe it has to be crossed for you to understand that maybe that doesn't feel right. And then we deal with these traumas and we deal with these issues that we have as adults. And we see 40, 50 years later, something that we're still carrying with us because Mm -hmm. it was never dealt with. So we just don't know that. What I get to recognize now is when I see children, I feel like I have this immediate gauge that says, I know what that's going to do. So let's do everything we can to mitigate that. When we're growing up, whatever, in whatever era right now, things are so different. I mean, (laughs) I grew up, I grew up in the sixties. So life was different in the sixties. We walked out of the house, you know, you could walk down the street, you had all different kinds of things than you do now. But still, there were always concerns because we were always safe and we were always taught to be safe. I I think it's important that we use our own compass, that we were taught to use our own compass and to take our intuition and believe in it. What do you want to eat? We were asked questions. What do you want to do? We were able to answer. 
I don't want to have that. Can I eat that? So we were able to use our compass within the scope that our family was able to understand it. And then as soon as I could, I took that to another level because I'm rah-rah. I just kicked it up a notch and then took it to my life about using my compass and creating my world and having my own family and having the edges a little bit further, right? Like not having them so close because I lived in a place where I saw how wonderful it was. And then I left the country, you know, I left New York, I came to Canada, like that's definitely pushing the boundaries. So I do believe that if we are taught to use our intuition, to be in touch with our spiritual, Mm -hmm. if I say the word guides, what I mean by that is we guide ourselves, and we are guided by our belief system. So if we believe in our own belief system, then we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. So when you're working with people, this is actually, this is really great. Sure. Um, That you just shared. Thank you for that. Uh, So when you're working with people and you're working with someone who is disconnected from all of that, do you have a sort of a a bit of a system that you kind of walk people through to help them get to the other side of that trauma to see something far greater than what it is that they see now? I'd like to answer that in two brief ways. Sometimes when you're disconnected, you're not coming to me because you're not looking to do anything about it. You're disconnected. Mm -hmm, Very much. I'm not, I'm not the vibration of disconnection. So when someone does end up in front of me, it's because they have something that they want to do. They have a concept, they have an idea, they have something that they want to build out. Whatever else happened in their life might still exist there, but they'll find a spark of something, a program, something that they want to do. And my process, and I could make you laugh a little bit. So I'll, I'll okay. start out, I'll start <laughs> out, I'll start out really easy for the audience. I start with the process of diagnose, direction, solution, reframe, and strategic alliance. And those are the phases that we go through to make a conclusion, to create a plan. And I have added over the years of working with people, bridgeology which is a strategic quarterly review, bridgegasm, which is a great idea and you want that idea to explode. Bridge social structure, a structure that you wanna look at your social, like we're doing right now, someone is going to give a presentation. Someone is going to say something, they'll be on a podcast. Maybe they wanna look at their social media. I'm not a social media expert, but I definitely am an expert when it comes to looking at things that are congruent. Mm-hmm. I can look at that sort of in a split second. So in the, to answer that question, if someone is out of alignment, they're probably out of alignment. If you came to me and said, I'm out of alignment, can I discuss that with you? That would be probably a little bit more difficult task because then we would need to find out why someone has allowed themselves to be out of alignment. It's not just why is my tire flat? It's why am I driving the car with the tire like that? Why have I tolerated this? Why have I accepted this? Why have I chosen not to deal with it differently up until now? That's heavy work. That's beautiful. I want to clip that one piece out right there. (laughs) 
Yes, it is heavy work for sure. And people are, I mean, people coming from all kinds of different backgrounds and people do want more and they all come from different places and where they are in their growth for sure. So you're putting together those pieces in powerful ways. In really powerful ways. That's what I like to think so. (laughs) That's what I'm seeing. You know, I'm, I'm really getting that. So it's, um, in the, oh, you mentioned that, uh, you, uh, so the channeling messaging and feeling grateful that I can be of service at such a high vibration. So when did the channeling messaging begin? So thank you. That's to the question of where do I see myself in two, three to five years? So the question oh, that connects uh, to that. Okay. Cause that's, yeah, that, no, that's okay. It's yeah. about how, where do I see myself? So I believe that working at a high vibration that existing at a high vibration are hard things to do. I believe that vibrating that living life at a high vibration is easy. So for me, it's not climbing a rope, climbing a ladder for me. It's to allow myself to foster, to give myself the space to rise. And then when I have the opportunity to meet someone, you know, they say, oh my gosh, I'm going to get it right. Rising tides raise all All ships. ships. So when I want to be in that mindset, and this is my mantra, when I think about taking a breath in and taking a breath out, I think about the next breath in is going to be even bigger. And then I'm going to let the air out and the next breath is going to be even bigger. And that rises and you try that. And then you take another breath and you breathe in and then you breathe it all out. And then by the fourth or fifth breath, you are right up here. You do that for one minute a day. You're raising your vibration. That's what I meant by that. Okay. Clear intention. (laughs) Yes. Clear intention. Uh, and uh, again, I'm going to go back to ask again, when did you begin to channel messaging? I remember being like eight or nine and we had a house on a corner property with a lot of grass. So there was sort of like one street that had very little traffic and a, and a white wooden fence, not a picket fence, but a white kind of a ranch fence around it. And I remember going out there and thinking, well, I want to dress like a gypsy and do sort of gypsy things. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do like a gypsy dance. And I wanted to look at pictures and I put them on my wall and I put beautiful pictures of Rene Russo and all these beautiful models. And I would focus and think about things and I would have an image in my mind. And then I would sort of go and do this dance. And I thought, well, if I do this dance really well, instead of a lemonade stand, maybe somebody would come and then I could share with them what I feel. I don't know. It's a gypsy. I must've been nine or eight. And I remember feeling that I could make someone happy by doing like a happy dance. Okay. Entertainment. (laughs) I felt that it was a definite form of entertainment to have someone smile. And Mm -hmm. I was wearing like these long skirts with like just, I don't know. I look like a little gypsy. I remember using, now you must've had these types of curtains. Do you remember the curtains with the gold ring and you would like clip it and they would hold and the ring would go on a rod. Anyway, I remember wearing these 
and hanging them as earrings. These big gold, like that's what I thought a gypsy looked like. And okay. I thought that was, but at, hence, you know, a look I continue to hold on to. <laughs> I just like to jingle and have some kind of a bead and some kind of vibration. I'm wearing Dalmatian Jasper and Morganite right now. And we can talk about that another time, but love me, it. that's my, you know, my energy lifter. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. And did you make them yourself or you bought them from someone else? I have a friend who's a gemologist and she made them. Her name Gorgeous. is Tanya. And she, when I felt you feel the vibration from certain things, right? So when I you, certainly do from everything for sure. Right. Yeah. When I saw these, I knew this is the foundational crystal for the bridge. It's called Dalmatian Jasper. And everyone in my bridge who I call ambassadors, they receive that from me, uh, a, a crystal. So that way they can have that foundational piece which instills playfulness and fun. Mm, that sounds yummy. It is. I know. <laughs> Definitely want to hear more about that. Okay. <laughs> Anything that brings in more fun and playfulness. Yes, let's please. amp that up for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. I agree. So when did you, uh, from lockdown to when your life opened up? Yeah. What you mean when I was shifted there? Lockdown. You mean when I was young, not the lockdown. <laughs> yeah, now. no, the lockdown from before. You know, that and was, you that was really a way feel, of, you weren't really feeling trapped. No, so. because that was the way of life. So what did I know? You know, yeah. the family got together, they had dinner, they played cards. We, you know, we watched movies, we watched football game. That was big football in the States. So in New York, anyway, in my family house, it doesn't matter where you are, could be a football, could be a big thing right here. So I didn't really know that there was a big difference, but I did get married at a young age. Okay. And I had my own home. I bought my own home when I was 20, my first mm. house. Wow. And that was a big, yeah, that was a big step because it, who buys a house at 20 back then, right? Mm -hmm. So that was my stepping, oh, it was about four minutes from my parents' house. You know, it was not far. <laughs> we all <laughs> And your first husband you met at school. And did you have yes. children? Did you have children together? I do. I have one daughter who is now 41. Amazing. And I know lots of grandkids. So we do. We have my husband and I have a blended family and we together have seven grandchildren. My daughter has six children and my stepson has one. So we're blessed. That's amazing. A lot, of, a lot of amazing people around us, Kate. Yes. And you had an amazing moment when you and your second husband met. Oh, my please goodness. share that because I you know what, this is such a big this is um, my whole life, like my my second husband and I didn't meet until I was in my 50s. And there were people that I met that met the love of their life older than I was, like even in my 40s. And it always gave me hope that there would be perhaps that opportunity. And when I got to my own place in my own life is when my husband and I met. So, but you met, you've known, you've been with him for a while. That was 1985. So you've been together for a long time. Well, Kate, I'm an audacious storyteller. So yes. I'll give it to you straight. I married awesome. five. I married five times, three times to this husband. We were divorced for 16 and a half years. And 13 years ago, we got back together and got married for the third time. So- I was his third wife when we met. So we did meet in 1985 and we got married in 1986 and we were together and then we got divorced and we were separated. And I had gotten remarried 
to a business partner. It was one of those business partner marriages. And then my husband and I got back together, but I'll tell you how we met because you know, when it's right, I had, you know, you know, a club met is right. Yes. So we went to, I dialed 1-800-CLUB-MED. I was a single mom. I wanted to go on vacation with my daughter. I booked it. I went at Christmas when, who leaves their family at Christmas, but I took my daughter because I got her alternate Christmases. And I was going to the, I guess it's called the GO, the club where the kids go. Mm, so yeah. I was bringing my daughter to the club and she didn't really want to go. She was four, five, four, five. And she didn't want to take her socks off. She had her sandals. She didn't want to take her sweater. She wasn't comfortable. And I thought, well, forget it. What are we going to do this for? And the GOs encouraged me. They said, look, we're really here for the kids and she's going to have a good time. And I said, you know, here I am in Club Metaluthra by myself. My daughter's not happy. I don't think I should leave her. And they said, look at all these kids. So I was a little bit upset and I watched her and she wasn't really happy. They said, by the time she gets to the stage, she'll be fine. And if not, you can come in. And I watched and I thought, well, if she's not okay, I'm coming in, getting ready. I'm ready to walk. And by the halfway up the stage, she started to sort of prance up there. And I watched her and they said, we told you, but I was still upset because mm. I thought, how is she feeling? Is she really okay? Is she not okay? If I walk in, I'm going to disrupt every kid in there. I watched and then I walked away. I took a little walk. And I, as I took a walk, I was preoccupied and something flew in front of me. I didn't know what it was. And I thought I was being attacked. And I bumped into my husband. I looked at him and knew at that instant that that was the man for me. There was no question. We bumped into each other. And that was a hummingbird that brought us together. And we met in December of 1985. Did I say 85? Yeah. yeah. Of, of 1985. Maybe that was, yeah. And then we got married and I left New York and I came to Canada. I went to Montreal to be with him. And he has always been the love of my life. We, I converted to the Jewish faith. And so I got married a second time to him. And even though we got divorced, I knew I would always be together with him. I waited for 16 and a half years. Every single day, I told myself he was coming back to me. Really? Regardless of the life that I had, regardless of what I was doing, I knew in my heart that he was coming back. And every day I got up, I got dressed and I said, today's the day, today's the day. And then the day came and that was the day. And I was ready because I knew it would happen. And I was 50 when we got back together. And that was 13 years ago. He's nine years my senior. And we have taken the phrase till death do us part to another level. Said, <laughs> I would imagine now. I'm not doing this anymore. So that's yes, incredible. The how love did of you my life. know? How did you know? 16 years. How did you 16, hold 16 on and, to and that a half belief? years? Because my intuition told me that this was the man for me. I still get butterflies when he walks in the door, when he brings me a tea, when I go and have dinner with him, when I bring him some, I still have butterflies. And it doesn't matter what goes on in our life. I, we could both make a really bad decision about something. I get butterflies when I am around him. And I know he does with me. Uh -huh. And that's why there is no judgment between us. We have wonderful memories of our life and we are creating memories. And when something happens that isn't wonderful, we look at each other. We remind each other that 
we are there to support one another. And we did what we did thinking and believing at that moment, it was the right thing. Mm -hmm. And we are there for one another because you don't stay together and get back together when you're judgmental. You really have to have a short memory for things that don't appear to be right mm -hmm. and a deep devotion. I'm extremely spiritual. And I always said to my husband, you're older than me. So, you know, you're here to take care of me and I'm younger than you and I'm here to take care of you. So we both have our areas cut out for us. And we do, we take care of one another. I just love it. And I can, so I, and I can actually really get the whole, every time, every time I look at my husband, I feel those butterflies too. You know, I, I wish so. everybody could at least once in their life. Yeah. Because to have it repeat, you know, we, to, so to speak about love for those of the audience who are watching and wondering mm -hmm. how do they feel about their partner, just tap back into that, find it, see if it existed once, how you can raise that vibration again, because burying it is no good for anyone. It's not good for us. It's not good for our partners. Mm -mm. So find a way. Um, I'll tell you a cute secret my husband doesn't know about. So he'll find out about this. There's something called a wheel of names. You put names in, it's a, it's an app. And okay. then you put, put your name, put wheel of names.com. So you can put it in when you're having a draw. So you put names in and then you push a button and then there's a winner. So I'm going to do something for date night. I'm going to create all these different things that I know that we both like. I'm going to put it in the wheel. Okay. We like to play Scrabble. We like to cook. Well, you're not really going out so much, but go out. We like to take yeah. walks. Today is a blizzard. All the things that we like to do. We like to hold hands. We like to read. We like to watch my favorite movies together, not his. So we're going to put all those things in the wheel of names. And then we're going to, I'm going to have him push the button. And then we're going to do the thing that comes up on the wheel. So he's in for a really special date night because I thought <clears throat> he's so smart. Oh my gosh. I call him Mr. Letterhead. He's such a smart man. I have to get up early just to read, to be able to speak with him. So when we play Scrabble, he comes up with word. I have to use the dictionary, which is a complete cheat in order to beat him. And he lets me do that because we're learning words, but I want to make sure that I provide a level of intellect, love, devotion, intelligence, entertainment for my husband so that he never gets bored. So I am always on my toes about ways to connect with him. I use an app called Love Nudge and we send messages to each other about our five love languages. We're creating ways to stay connected all the time. That's great. Love Nudge. I'm going to write that down too. Yeah. The five <laughs> love languages. Yeah. I love the five. The, I love the five love languages. Yeah. That's, so an that was that. a really great. Um, that's a really, really great process. It's such a gift. And it's so interesting because I've spoken to um, I, there's a friend of mine that um, we were having a conversation on the phone one day and she said it was her husband's birthday. And she said, you know, I just, I have such a hard time. I don't seem to like get what works for him. And I said, well, what's his love language? So we had a conversation about it and I asked her a few questions and it says, well, it sounds to me as she immediately, she says, I know exactly what to do for him for his birthday. Now she said, this is a life changing moment. Well, Kate, there's an app that I had my husband answer the question so that he could 
answer the question that takes five minutes. And then he finds out his own love language and it goes into his inbox. And then I took my test and I made sure that my results were in my inbox and yeah. then I shared it. And we both found out that we almost scored almost identical 37% oh. on physical touch. We are so similar in that. That's very so interesting. It, when you take the test and you see your percentages, it really is a little bit different. We've also done our Colby A's. It's another mm -hmm. conative, if you know what that is. It's about your modus operandi. Kathy Colby, we we did that 13 years ago. And then we compared our A to A to see where our risk would be if we had any risks and where they would lie. So we understand what our conative ability is, our intuitiveness not our personality test. So we've Im implemented this to understand one another. And then when something happens, we'll say, that's because you're a three implementer. That's because you're an eight quick start. And we'll refer to those things. And that's because I'm a seven fact finder. So we get to understand why we are doing what we're doing. And it's not like, why do you need to ask me that question so many times? Like we understand where it's coming from the root of it. Uh -huh. And then we can relate to it. Something broke last night. This is a cute story. Okay. I was in our master bathroom and I touched something and the little balance came off. So I said to my husband, oh, can you come here and fix this? And he looked at me like, that's kind of funny. So, <laughs> I, so that was a joke in itself. And I saw there were two pieces. So he went to fix it and I saw him flip it and he flipped it and he turned it and he flipped it. And I said, okay, I got it. Now he and I are both the same when it comes to fixing things. He said, what are you going to do? So I put it up. He said, I don't think that's fixed. I said, don't touch it. It's good. We both are not that kind of, <laughs> so we just laughed because we both understood it. Just don't it touch it. Don't touch it. <laughs> don't touch the blind. It's great. And he said, but what if I'm like, I'm not worried right now. It's, thank you so much. So we understand. <laughs> We're visionaries. We understand the big picture. We don't need to build it to see it. How many visionaries does it take to fix the blind? Two. None. <laughs> Give it to somebody else to do. Oh, exactly. When something breaks, we're like, should we get a new one? Why don't we just go buy a new one? When, when our houses need to get painted, we sell them. <laughs> we have... <laughs> We painted two houses in our life and we've lived in 12. When it needs a new roof, we sell it. When it needs new, only one house we completely renovated, the other house we completely painted. Every house after that, whenever something happened, we sold it and moved. Oh, I love it. We're oh, made for each other. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so now we're going to go to that place of the one, three, five years because we didn't cover that. Okay. So- what does it mean? Because you said I'm raising the bar to work more energetically. So what does that look like for a visionary? What are you seeing in that forward movement? Yeah, thank you. The, the people that I work with now, I call them ambassadors. I don't use the term client. I use ambassador because nice. it feels differently. And I've envisioned that in this service that I provide, I call bridging because my company is called the bridge and the bridge empowers. And this is years and years of case study after case study, really. I've developed this over 30 years, Kate, working with people and developing different strategies for health and for wellness and for business. And as I continue to watch the work that comes my way and the amazing people that come in front of me, it's not like this is broken, so can you fix it? Someone will come to me and say, I have an idea. And I will process 
the idea. We will come up with it. My best business tool in the world is a sticky note and a pencil and a pen and a marker. I can create systems and programs and turn them into insanely profitable deliverables with a sticky note. It's amazing. It's not complicated, but I am the investigator for that. I truly connect the dots. So you relax your mind. You let me give you that tour. And it could take a week, a month, a year, five years. Mm-hmm. I work with people for decades. I have amazing relationships because it's a life. Cho- it's like saying, I'm going to eat healthy and then I'm not. You're, it's a lifestyle choice yeah. on how you're going to raise your own bar. And as I raise my bar, the people around me raise their bar. Mm-hmm. And then we grow because we grow together because I am always striving. And I am always building up in my own personal endeavors. I have reminders right here on the wall of things that I want to do for myself. I use Brendan Bouchard's planner. I write down my daily goals. I write down my daily top priorities. I do this. So I do it and I teach it. And I can share what I do to a level or a degree. One of my friends, Martin, he said, I speak geek. So I can listen to what you say and then I can translate it so that somebody else can understand it. I'm not good with language, but I really do translate very well. I understand what's in your mind and I know how to get that out and then articulate it to you and then to others for your audience and avatar. Brilliant. It's a gift. We need translation. (laughs) We definitely need translation. Don't we? Don't we, Kate? Uh, I got this thought over here and I got that thought over there and I I know that they all link together, but I don't know how to tell you about it. I do that. I know. I got that. And I love the name of your company. Absolutely love the name of your company. So, uh, in the one, three, five years, you're just, you're talking about constantly just up leveling the bar, right? So you're, so you're moving from, I mean, something that's really been coming up a lot the last year, especially maybe the last two years. And that is, is moving away from 3d thinking, Mm -hmm. right? So that whole up leveling then puts us into that place of really understanding that from an energetic standpoint, we stand in so much of a greater place of power. That do this, get that thing is very linear and it's really flat line. Yeah. So it is, it is when people can, when people are empowered, when I am empowered, I can do anything. When I know what I need to do to empower myself, it could be putting on my beads, doing my yoga, doing some killer cardio class. Logic is a limiter. (laughs) Right. When we go into that state of, I do my meditation, I, I know what that feels like. And if I don't do those things and I'm not serving myself to my highest ability. So I make time for myself and I love what I do. So I, you will find me working at crazy hours with people from all over the world at different time zones. Mm-hmm. And I'm prepared for that because I know what I have to do for myself so that I could perform and be 
of service above self. You, you spoke about that earlier. I'm mm-hmm. a Rotarian. I'm also an executive director at Arts Etobicoke, and I have a very deep love for the arts and for the arts of the children. And I wrote this in my I am statement and sent it to myself and didn't understand what that all meant. And here I am, I wrote that in 2014, here we are in 2022 and things that I wrote are actually happening. I didn't know what it meant to be working with children and giving them an opportunity to express themselves. I thought, how am I gonna do that? But here I am an executive board director at Arts Etobicoke being able to help and guide that community and how art has become part of the world of the children and the adults. So I think when we raise our vibration, when we put that message out there, I like to write it and hear it and say it and anchor it and go back and visit it. My I am card is like right over there. I can touch it every day and look at it. Then I'm in touch with it. And it's my reason, my why. What does your I, I am card say? Would you like to share that? I don't know if you want to see. Oh, it's a big one, is it? Is it? <laughs> it's not a simple statement. It's a big one. You think my I am statement would be simple? No, of course not. <laughs> Give me one moment while I get that. Here it is. Okay. I'll show it to you and then you can. So when I created my I am statement, I took a tree of life. So this is myself when I was a baby and my parents. And these are the people in my life at that time that helped me to create this. And then I wrote it. Okay. (laughs) And I was asked to present that to a group of people through Jordan Adler asked me to speak on one of uh, the Sendell cards meetings and I was flawed. I didn't expect to do that. It took about a minute for me to read it, but wow, that was, that was really deep because it's one thing to tell yourself and to write it. It's another thing to go out there and then read it. And it's heavy. It's really heavy. So I do look at it. And it's amazing and it's beautiful. I've talked about most of it right now. Mm-hmm. And it brings me right back to why I get up every day. What it is that turns me on, that ignites me. I talk about creating activity and cultivating determination and igniting manifestation and knowing that and knowing I can read it and that I'm actually making that difference. It really, it makes me warm just to know like I, my body temperature rises because I wrote that not knowing how, and then the universe shows you how, and you think, wow, good thing I wrote that. Cause you get what you focus on. Wonderful. Well, that is just a beautiful wrapping up piece. That is such a great gift. Thank you. Um, and so what I'm, I'm going to say is, is that <clears throat> to wrap up is that you get up every morning and you meditate. So this is a great thing to share with the audience uh, that you meditate and you meditate on what is the outcomes that it is that you want to achieve in that day. And you meditate, you spend the time in the imagining space of it all being done. 
I do. And I think of others mm -hmm. and I meditate for them <laughs> and for the outcome, for what is necessary to hold brave space for those people in my life. Amazing. Beautiful. Thank you, Kate. So this daily, this daily habit. So for the audience's sake, um, you know, again, she wakes up bright and early in the morning and you may not want to get up at the same time as she does, but that's okay. Four, four whatever works, whatever it is that works for you. And she meditates, bridges ideas into actions and actions into insanely profitable deliverables for my ambassador clients. So however that is that it fits into your life, remembering to take that dedicated space and time at least once a day to set yourself up for, your, for the best life for the rest of your life. Kate, so well said. And as a gratitude girl in the show that we have, we also say to write down five things that you're grateful for in detail every night before you go to sleep. Write that in detail and then read that in the morning. If you can write 10, write 10, but write not just, I'm grateful for Kate for inviting me to be a guest on her show. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful to Kate because it gave me an opportunity to think about my family and to remember how much I love them. And that moment brought that love back into my life to write in detail what we're grateful for. Mm -hmm. And that rises you, it brings you up. So I would like to encourage our audience to start to write into a gratitude journal so that you can bridge your ideas by writing them down and then reading them and then coming up with a plan and a vibration that will take you there. Awesome. Beautiful. Thanks again so much. Miss Rara. <laughs> I say Rara's in the house, Kate. I Rara's in, like in the that. house. It's so true. So true. Right. Rara's in the house. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your time, your joy, your energy, and of course your vibration. And thank you everyone for being here today. I hope you took great notes. And if you didn't, Hey, you can always re-listen to the podcast. So you can find us wherever podcasts are, as you already know, and please remember to like and share and subscribe. Thanks so much for being here. And remember, you are a miracle. Blessings on your day. And we'll see you next time.